Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work, where you can find your future. Someday they may win through brute force, but so be it. I will pay the cost. But you know what? The best way to avoid that is to fight hard now on all these principles and say, we're not standing, we're not backing down. We're standing our ground, we're standing up, we're putting in the risk, the effort, the money, and we're going to count the cost and pay the price to maintain freedom, justice, and truth. The time to do that is now, not when we get to that point. And we avoid that point by doing that now. And that's what all these cases are ultimately about. And a lot of times when we stand our ground, the other side melts in the face of our conviction, in the face of our courage. Okay, I see it all the time. I do have some victories. I lose lots of cases because that's where the courts are at. But I have all kinds of small victories along the way. And all of them are because me and my wonderful, principled, courageous clients have stood their ground and said, no, we're not scared of you. And we're not backing down. And that's what I want people to remember, that this is all about, and that's what they're ultimately supporting with their generous donations. Hey everyone, Michael Thiessen here, and you are listening to Open Mic with Michael Thiessen. This show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. So if you want to support our podcasting work, head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com backslash donate and click on the analysis box. Donations submitted there Go directly to ChristianWeek.org. And if you want to help our legal and advocacy work, which you're going to be hearing a little bit about today, go to LibertyCoalitionCanada.com backslash donate and click other designations. And that's going to go to support the work of our legal department, such as we're going to be talking about today with our lawyer, chief litigator, James Kitchen. Uh, folks, we are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast uh, network, so if you want to uh, avail yourself of the FLF app, that's always a great podcasting resource. And um, we want to just, again, remind you of one of our great sponsors, Rocklink Investment Services. So this show is brought to you by donations to Christian Week. Um, this show is brought to you by uh, sponsors partnering with us who are willing to put their names beside um, our work, and we appreciate them. And so Rocklink is a great um, financial consulting 
uh, investment strategy firm. And they're, again, we've, we've said this a number of times, they're open to honest conversations to get you on the right track to achieve both financial and ethical goals while mitigating the risks all around us. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. And that is link with a C. So uh, folks, James and I are trying to at least once a month, give you a legal update into the situations that we are a part of, into the cases that we are a part of. Um, I have appreciated our conversations. I feel, James, every time we talk, you give people real ammunition for uh, th through content and understanding about what's going on in Canada and the legal climate there. So, James, thanks for coming on. And today we are going to be giving another important legal update. Well, Michael, today we're again going to be talking about how upside down the legal world is. Boys can be girls. Telling the truth is unprofessional. And Christians are not allowed to read from the Bible when explaining their religious beliefs. And uh, I really wish I could be a lawyer in a world where um, the facts are what they are and the law is what they are and judges just ruled on the facts and law, but we're in the upside down world where politics seem to matter more and it's really too bad, but I'm prepared for the fight. And you know what, everybody, this is what we've always appreciated about James. James and I are okay with with, with pushing through and talking about issues and representing Christians in a way, even when we look absurd, James, thank you for following in my little joke to make that point of being in an upside down world. Uh, James, again, uh, always has some type of technical difficulty. And today it began with him being upside down. And I said, we should go with it because uh, that's exactly how many people are feeling. James, we're feeling that up is down, down is up, and they don't feel right about it. And of, of course, they shouldn't, because mm. if you, if you had have really been podcasting upside down there, your tie would have been in your face, the blood would have been rushing to your head, and you would have passed out, which is what most people feel like doing. And that's why we defend those who stand at Liberty Coalition Canada. That is why, as people are going to hear about um, work here in Canada. They're, they're, they're linking issues in the U.S. And even um, I'm going to be podcasting with uh, one of our German pastors who are friends with us. The work to represent Christians who are ready to stand by their God-given, scripturally-based convictions is so important. So, James, let's give everybody an update. You've been at work a lot. And, folks, as James and I report to you, we're going to continue to unashamedly ask for your support. Part of this legal update is just to remind you that we've had a very busy legal summer and we need to raise about $60,000 uh, over the summertime in order to uh, pay all of these legal fees. So James, uh, why don't you give everybody an update on two of the files you've been working the most on, which is Dr. Curtis Wall and then uh, Juan Porter. Sure, so <clears throat> let's start with Dr. Wall. So on June 7th and 8th, we had a hearing before the Disciplinary Tribunal of the College of Chiropractors of Alberta. 
Now, for anybody who knows about this case, <clears throat> it's been going on for a couple of years at least, Dr. Wall was unable to wear a mask as a chiropractor treating patients, um, both because of his religious beliefs and because of um, sort of his, you know, health reactions, um, claustrophobia and stuff like that. And a lot of people, of course, can relate. A lot of people went through this. Um, and so the college decided to make an example of him, uh, tried to strip him of his license. Um, they were unsuccessful in that. So then they went after him with a full-fledged hearing, and that took over two years to do. <clears throat> January, we got a decision from this disciplinary tribunal, which is made up of two people from the public, appointed by the provincial government in Alberta, and two chiropractors. So four people. And um, Dr. Wall put his best foot forward. We had, we had four expert witnesses, including Dr. Byron Bridal. Many of you will know that name. Um, and he did an excellent job. And as I expected, the tribunal ignored all the politically inconvenient yet scientifically accurate information about how masks are useless and harmful. They ignored all that, and they gave a decision, a 93-page decision saying Dr. Wall is a terrible person and didn't, um, didn't follow the rules, and he didn't comply with what the college wanted, and he didn't do what he was told, and um, he's ungovernable as a chiropractor, and <clears throat> he's completely unprofessional. Well, of course, after that, what has to happen is we have to go figure out what the penalty is going to be. This is kind of like sentencing in criminal law. If you, you know, you've been convicted of assaulting somebody because you punched them, now we've got to figure out what your sentence is going to be. It's the same idea. So we, go, we, we went and did that last week on the 7th and 8th of June. And uh, I called some witnesses and uh, Dr. Wall's patients. They talked about how they support Dr. Wall. They don't want to lose him as a chiropractor. So, you know, if Dr. Wall is suspended, right, they can't receive his treatment. Uh, we heard from another chiropractor um, who, um, you know, agrees with Dr. Wall, didn't wear a mask either. The college didn't go after him. Um, and uh, part of the reason we, we suspect and we suggested was because uh, the health colleges, particularly in Alberta, but this is, a problem, this is a problem all across the country, they're very, very beholden to the, uh, you know, medical officers of health, the, the, the government health bureaucrats. Um, and in Alberta, especially, AHS, Alberta Health Services, is the largest and most powerful and probably the most corrupt health, regional health agency in all the country. Um, it's, in Alberta, is the only province where you have a health agency that runs the whole province. Uh, usually they're regional. Like in Ontario, there's a whole bunch of different small ones. In Alberta, it's one. And of course, when you have one large entity, uh, it's usually even, even more uh, corrupt and power hungry than if you have a bunch of smaller entities competing with each other. Um, and Alberta Health Services has been brutal throughout all of this. I've litigated against them plenty. Well, the college was really keen to please AHS, and it was AHS that found out Dr. Wall was not wearing a mask, and they told the college about it. And so we suspect and we suggested to the tribunal that that was the reason why the college wanted to punish Dr. Wall and left other chiropractors alone when other chiropractors in Alberta didn't wear a mask. So we got a little bit of evidence about that. And um, then we went to closing arguments on June 8th, and there was uh, fortunately quite a few people that attended. We had about a dozen or 15 people that attended. So uh, to publicly hold the, um, the uh, tribunal members accountable and to hear me give my evidence and, and arguments on the 7th and 8th. And um, that was that. But, and you know, all of that is very interesting. But what I want to focus on, because what I think people will find interesting and uh, perhaps um, enlightening to understand a little more of how all this 
machinery works. I want to talk about the money that was spent. Okay. Now I've known for a long time the money that was being spent on this file, but um, I haven't really been able to be public about it very much. Um, I was I publicly told everybody who was listening uh, a year and a half ago or so that the college had spent over two hundred thousand dollars in the case, and actually what, the, what happened at that point is the uh, the complaints director. So this is sort of the prosecutor for the college. He came to Dr. Wall, came to me and Dr. Wall, and said, "You're wasting our money. You've you've made us you've made us spend as if it's like somehow we decide how much they spend. You've made us spend over two hundred thousand dollars with your your frivolous defense. <clears throat> you know, you're calling all these expert witnesses and you're making all these arguments about human rights and charter rights. You're wasting all of our time and money." And he said, "And, and so you better drop your case because we're going to come after you for the cost of what we're spending if you don't." Now. When you do that, it's misconduct. And uh, I, uh, I said so. I applied to the tribunal to have this guy removed as prosecutor because it's prosecutorial misconduct to pressure somebody to abandon their case by threatening them with costs of it. And in face of that, the complaints director retired rather than face my allegation of prosecutorial misconduct. And that all happened back in 2022. And you can, you can read about that on the, on the Liberty Coalition Canada website, and I encourage you to. It's, it's interesting, to say the least. James, while you take a drink of water, I just want to, again, help everybody listen to what you just said. So number one, what James has just pointed out is that that is unethical behavior in the practice of law. Number two, you have to hear how often people are doing this now. This is what people will do to you. When you do the right thing, when you do the legal thing, people will look at you and say, you're forcing us. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. You're the ones, you're the ones who came and brought this case. You're the one who investigated this man. You're the one who dismissed this man and attempted, and I, and James, I want you to clarify, has Dr. Wall been able to work? Um, because this ongoing case was about to remove his license. So has he been able to, to, to work or has he not been able to work this entire time? And so you have someone like that coming at you so the folks, when you hear that, that's what we call a false accusation <laughs> and that you have to be able to listen the way that James listened and said, not only is that a false allegation, that's unethical. So James, continue on. But before you move on, answer whether Dr. Wall has been able to work, because I know that our listeners are um, very interested in that question. Yes, he was. <laughs> like a lot of cases that the public finds out about from me, they start as normal private cases in the sense that someone in need of help hires me, okay? Um, and this is what happened in December of 2020, right? The college uh, came to Dr. Wall and said, you're not wearing a mask. We don't care that you can't medically. You either put on the mask or you're going to lose your license, okay? There's a process to take people's licenses away to practice a profession um, immediately in an urgent basis, like if they're doing something terrible. Right. And this does happen. You get lawyers and doctors and all the rest of them who are sexually abusing clients or coworkers who are stealing money. Right. Who are, you know, completely hopped up in drugs all the time. It happens. Actually, we have most most professional discipline cases are about those issues. OK. And so if you have if you have evidence that that's ongoing, then as the regulatory body, the College of Physicians, the law societies, you have an obligation 
to go in and take that person's license so you can remove the actual immediate harm, okay? Everybody of all political stripes can agree, raping patients and suing fund money from them is actually harmful. You can't do that. And yes, it is good to take a license from somebody like that. Um, that actually is the role that these bodies have. So they tried to say that, 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 that Dr. Wall, by not wearing a mask, it was the equivalent of him doing that when you take his license. Um, well, he hired me in December of 2020. I defended him on that. And um, fortunately, it, it's just a random chiropractor who was appointed to be the decision maker of that. And, and, and he actually followed the law and the evidence. He actually agreed with me and said, no, there, there isn't anywhere near the type of harm required to immediately take this guy's license away and prevent him from you know, earning a living. Um, so that was when we started off right, 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 right away with a victory in this case. And so for the next two and a half years that the college prosecuted or persecuted Dr. Wall, uh, he was able to practice chiropractic. Thank God for, for him and his family and his patients. Um, of course, the interesting thing about all of that is that he didn't wear a mask the entire time that he was practicing during COVID, being persecuted for not wearing a mask. He didn't wear one. So he was so he was effectively the college was effectively because they couldn't they couldn't help it legally. They had a practitioner who was not wearing a mask, even though they said you have to wear a mask or else you lose your license. And of course, the other interesting part is, well, two and a half years of practicing without a mask. Surely you could have come up with some evidence that there was some harm from him not wearing a mask, because apparently that's the whole motivation for going after this guy for not wearing a mask. And it's harmful to patients. The college didn't even try to put any evidence that anybody was harmed by Dr. Wall practicing without a mask. And because there isn't any, of course. Um, so Dr. Wall was able to practice throughout this whole time. Thank God. I was very happy. I was able to save that for him. Um, so this, this whole thing has been about now the, the, the college wants to get these findings that he acted unprofessional and then use that to beat him over the head with a suspension. So not, not a, not a complete revocation of his license, but a suspension. They want to make him pay $26,000 in fines and they want to make him pay $158,000 in costs. And that's, that's eventually what I'm going to get to and spend some time explaining for people to understand just how salacious and scandalous that is. Okay. So, um, so anyway, so, so uh, we knew about a year and a half ago that the college had spent over $200,000 already and the case wasn't even done and, and that they had, they had used that to try to intimidate Dr. Wall. And that is unethical. It's corrupt. And so, and I said, so, and the guy who, who said that, uh, it was it was it was a public email. It wasn't it wasn't a you know without prejudice secret email. It was it was an open email. Um, he in, in face of that he retired. But of course the college kept going. They got a new complaints director and they kept persecuting Dr. Wall. So now we come to June seventh and eighth. So here's what happened. Okay. <clears throat> The last 10 or 15 years, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to explain why this matters for the average typical person who's saying, why does this matter? Why does this impact me? Okay. Normally, what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years is if a, if a professional does something that one of these government bodies doesn't like, the Law Society, uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, the College of Chiropractors, the College of Physiotherapists, whatever, if a professional, right, physiotherapist, chiropractor, lawyer, doctors, does or says something that these, these bodies don't like, they can come after him and say, look, we don't like what you did. We're going to call it unprofessional conduct. And if you put up a defense instead of just giving into our demands, then we're going to bury you in hundreds of thousands of dollars of costs that you're never going to be able to afford without destroying, you know, your, your, your financial life and your career and your practice. So you better do what we say. 
Okay, that's how it works. That's how it's been working the last 10 or 15 years. That's part of the reason, by the way, I always, get, I always get asked the question, how did we fall apart so quickly and easily in 2020? How did our society so, how did Canada so quickly and easily devolve and slide into this, you know, crazy, weird, authoritarian, awful place to live? Well, we were set up to, to fall. And part of the reason is one of the greatest bulwarks between uh, the regular people and its radical government, one of the greatest things preventing a society from sliding into to totalitarian uh, nightmare world is um, an independent, strong, professional class. Okay? So the lawyers, the doctors, the engineers, etc. right? If they are strong and if they are independent and if they can speak freely, then they will do a lot to harm the forces of tyranny. Okay? This is important. And this is why authoritarian regimes always go after the professionals, right? You can, you, can, you can see it in Asia with the authoritarian regimes there in the 20th century. You can see it in Europe with the authoritarian regimes there in the 20th century, right? History tells you right away that's who the, the, the dictators or the, or the would-be dictators, that's, that's who they're going after. They're going after, you know, journalists and stuff too, but they're going after the professionals, okay? And that's what's been happening in Canada, Okay, and you and if you pay attention at all, you've seen a lot of these cases, right? There's some going on right now with the doctors in Ontario. Um, there's that nurse in in uh, BC who said she likes J.K. Rowling. Um, there's Doctor Wall. There's a whole bunch of them. Okay, um, they've they've gone after the lawyers occasionally. They go after them the least because they're they're the best at defending themselves. I mean, I've had the law society go after me. Um, I've, I've had lawyers complain to the law society about me and the stuff that I've said that they don't like. Because, like, for example, I criticized the vaccine mandate at the court in Alberta that resulted in a law society complaint. Um, so, you know, it's 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 something that that impacts real, regular, normal people and the rest of society, because if that class of people, if they're cowed, if they're silenced, OK, then you've just you've just removed uh, a huge source of defense. That's like, I mean, if you're Napoleon's army and you don't have the guns, all you got is the, all you got is the foot soldiers. You don't have the cavalry or you don't have the cannons anymore. Are you going to win? Right. You need the big guns. This is not to say that regular people are somehow lesser than professionals. They're not, that's not where I'm going with this, but, but everybody benefits from the, from the, from the protection that, um, good professionals provide. And if they're silenced, if they're self-censoring, if they're scared and they're not doing their job, look out, okay? The forces of tyranny now have a huge advantage. And that's what's been happening the last few years, and that's part of what led to what happened with COVID, okay? And, and by the way, James, this is what everybody, everybody kept saying. Well, at some point, the police hmm. are going to do something. At some point, the lawyers are going to do something. At some point, the doctors are going to do something because the tyranny was coming through those professions. Mm. So so it, it, for, coming from the other side of the coin of what you're talking about, the reason why professionals are you – know, same thing with the farmers. Everybody's sitting here going, you know, farming is a professional – industry like it, it it feeds the world and so individuals know rightly that 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 it's access right man what if i don't what if i don't have access to healthcare 
because all of the it, it, it when, when you have access to a professional you have access to a service and when you're denied access to a service you basically are living on your own and you're either going to retrain individuals to to act like professionals in some second tier uh um parallel world because professionals are just simply those who have been trained to offer a, a fairly vital service so you know i i agree with you 100 percent, and you could see that from the other side you you as a lawyer might have felt that in a certain way just observationally but but how many times were people on the ground saying how many times would i say to my friends who are professionals saying when are you going to do something when are you the professional what you know we had a police officer who wouldn't who who would not help our church in any way and i kept saying to him luke when are you going to do something because you know that when bill c4 drops you might be out arresting a pastor so when are you going to do something about it and time and time again, we just we just we, we were living in this world, as you were just saying, muzzled, self um, self edited, self censored, all of these things because of the type of case that Doctor Wall's going through. Continue, James. Thanks for that. Thanks for that insight. So this is why we're really trying to help Doctor Wall. Yes, this is why we're helping Dr. Wall, and this is why I encourage people to care about this case and to donate to this case, even though it seems at first blush that it's, it's removed from them, okay? Because it's not. Whether it's a chiropractor, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, <clears throat> there's a direct link between how much government can quash a professional and how much freedom your everyday average individual in a society has. There's a direct link, okay? And you hear me talk a lot about how America is the freest society in the world and it's freer than Canada. And that's true. Not that it's perfect, far from it. Everything's going to be this side of heaven. But it is freer, and there are many reasons, and one of them is because their professionals are less regulated by government. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend some Canadian sensibilities here, and I, I'm going to challenge people to think about is it actually a good thing that government has so much direct control over professionals? No, it's not. Okay. And, you, and you've seen that through COVID, right? You see it with the transgender thing too, right? Can doctors speak up about this? Not unless they're willing to risk their license. There's something wrong with that, right? Same thing with climate change. Can you... Um, uh, well, actually, it's, it's not just doctors. The the law society, right, uh, in Alberta, right, everybody who works there has their little pronouns at the bottom of their email, okay. And 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 you watch and wait. If not in the five in the next five years, if 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 the woke lawyers keep winning the the uh, elections and keep keep controlling the law society in Alberta, you watch to see if there isn't something mandatory about pronouns or affirming genders or whatever. And if you don't hear from me in three or four years that I'm, I'm fighting a law society complaint because I say women are women and men are men and one cannot become the other and you're never going to catch me lying and to, uh, publicly or to somebody about affirming some fantasy that they're the other gender. I'm never going to do that. I lose my license over it and I may be three or four years from now. So, it, Nor are you going to be coerced into putting he, she it zit like 
you know, nor are you going to be coerced into that because that when you're coerced into things like that, it is a subtle victory for that establishment. James, I just want to jump in here really quick because you said something pretty big and then you moved on, which sometimes you do. So you just said it's not good for the government to regulate professionals as much as it does. <laughs> and I want you to pause on that and unpack that because you explained to me to this maybe two years ago when we started to say what should our – what should our, how can we help Canadians – with the with the most advantageous cases on behalf of the average Canadian, and you explained me uh, to me that the vast majority of regulation is not needed because when there's a true violation of law, it is covered by the criminal code. And then, if there is a regulatory body, that body just continues to grow and add its own arbitrary rules. And when it's connected with the government, then all of a sudden now you have government interference. So can, can you just walk people through that a little bit? And, and specifically to this case, I asked you this question yesterday. Well, how, why, why is the government so involved in this if private chiropractors are paying the bills because this college is paid for by chiropractors, not by the government. That's right. Walk us through this. Okay. So people will say, well, it's, it's about protecting the public. It's about protecting patients and clients from these unscrupulous professionals that are sexually abusing them or stealing their money. Okay. That's why we have to have these great, big, huge, expensive, unaccountable, bloated government bodies that, that do this. No, we don't. Okay. One, there's the market. Okay, we as Canadians have discounted the market. We wouldn't have this country if we didn't used to believe in the market. Okay, the market works like this. Let's say I decide I wake up tomorrow and I'm done being ethical. Okay, I start stealing from my clients, start overcharging them. Okay, let's say I wake up tomorrow and I'm, and I'm done being a decent human being and I start sexually harassing my female staff. Okay, and people. Or actually, let's let's say I start harassing my by sexually harassing my female clients. Okay, how long is it going to be before word gets around that I'm no longer ethical, I'm no longer decent? Okay, what's going to happen? Well, what's I'm going to go out of business. The market is going to push me out. People don't want me if I'm unethical, if I'm a sexual abuser, if I'm a, if I'm a thief. Okay, the market will take care of me. Okay, and and it's even higher than that, James. People don't want you even if you're incompetent. So 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 I, I don't want to take away from that point. Absolutely, if you're unethical, people don't want you. But people actually, we've been involved with legal cases now for three years. We don't even want to deal with lawyers who are unwilling to be principled. Yeah. Like it's not even just the lower bar. You're really wanting the expert and the person of greatest integrity. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So point one, the market's going to correct. Point two. Point two, you still have, like we've had for a thousand years in Western society, okay, you have, the, you have the criminal law and you have tort, okay? So the criminal law is, hey, you go and complain to the police, which is actually appropriate if there's something really wrong like this, and you say, look, this person's doing this. It doesn't matter that they're a lawyer or a doctor. This person's doing this, and it's criminal. Thievery is, is criminal. <laughs> Sexual abuse is criminal, okay? So, look, the, the, the guy is dealt with by the criminal law. Okay, then if you're still not happy that the market's pushing him out and that he's that he's now facing criminal sanctions, you can sue him in tort. 
okay? Some professional abuses you, steals your money, right? Um, does something, so something else terrible to you or causes you to do something terrible, you can sue them in tort. That's what medical malpractice cases are all about, okay? And then you, yeah, I mean, you can say, well, oh yeah, but you know, I mean, who's gonna have the money to do that or whatever? You only need a few people to do it. You get, you get the precedence, okay? This is how it works. If you let tort criminal law in the market regulate things like we used to, if we go back 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years to a free country, okay, let's say we're back in the 1950s Diefenbaker era in, in Canada, that was the height of, of the legal freedom in Canada. The best legal cases we have about freedom are from the 1950s, okay, before we ever got the charter, okay? We go back to the, the, the height of freedom in, in, in the 1950s in Canada, okay? These professionals were not regulated with these colleges, okay? It's not how it worked. Tort, market, criminal law kept them in check. Did it still occasionally happen? Of course it did. We're going to have rape and thievery until Jesus comes back. And no amount of government tyranny is going to make that better. And you got to stop believing that, that lie. Okay, that's the lie that your typical, you know, socialist Canadian uh, thinks. And you, you got to stop, you know, sort of falling into that lie because it emotionally feels good. Oh, the government will protect me and it'll protect poor Bob and it'll protect poor John. No, it won't. It <laughs> And it's it, and it's a it's a straw man, right? It, it's 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 a it's always the straw man of, of of someone who wants larger government to say, but what about the exceptions? When everybody has to admit that people behave badly, so in a totalitarian government, they just behave badly when in power, and there's no legal recourse. There, people will, as you just said, James. There's always going to be malpractice issues. Um, it, it's never going to go away. James, I wanted to just jump on what you've said here um, about this Canadian mindset, because we, we really we really see this quite prevalently. People tend to think of uh, these regulatory bodies as really needed, but they also I think they think of them as independent. So this is where I'm a bit confused. Yeah. Please clarify for us, because if I'm a chiropractor, and I'm paying my dues to be a part of a, a college. A, I think that's a professional association. I want that association. I want that accreditation because I get to trade on that name. But if it's truly independent, I can say I don't want to associate with that association anymore. Um, I'm going to go independent or I'm going to go uh, and practice in another association. So you probably have different trade association, trade guilds all of these things that have their advantages to the professional. But now it seems like you're talking about government bureaucrats. So I'm a little bit confused. If the government's not paying for these legal cases and, and individual chiropractors are, how is it that there these, how is it that the government is involved? Okay. Good question. Good question. And this is the problem. We don't, we don't, we don't know enough about this. We don't learn enough about this. We don't care enough about this. Okay. So whether it's the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, the College of Chiropractors of Alberta, or the Law Society of Alberta, or whatever. Okay. All these bodies have legislation that give them enormous powers. Okay. It also gives them a monopoly. Okay. And this goes back to the problem with unions. We won't get into that today, but someday we should. You cannot become a lawyer. Unless you join the Law Society of Alberta and pay about $3,000 a year to be a part of it, okay? 
So the Law Society of Alberta has has legit, has government power to do almost anything that they want. Um, they have a monopoly. You cannot be a lawyer unless you're a part of them. Um, you, you cannot be a lawyer unless you pay those fees. Okay. So, so that right there is a problem. Now, originally, and again, this always, this goes back to, to what people like me always say, be careful the, the, the slippery slope of, of government power and tyranny. It never just stays at, you know, five units of power. It always increases to 50 units of power. Just give it a, just give it a little bit of time. Right. Um, and people always shrug that off, you know, um, but I think the last three years have taught us that that's not how it works. And, and I mean, the last 300 years have taught us that if we're paying attention. Um, so originally these bodies were self-governing. Okay. Now what that means is that people running the bodies are the professionals themselves. The people who chooses who's on these bodies are the professionals themselves. So for example, the law society is in all the provinces is the, is the, last remaining body that is somewhat still self-governing okay there's about 20 some odd ventures in alberta only four of them are public members appointed by the government everybody else is lawyers elected by other lawyers okay so it's still somewhat self-governing okay all the other all the other ones all the health colleges etc it's now such that half the members or more are publicly appointed okay and what that means is that the government handpicks their people Okay, so that means we just avoided an NDP government in Alberta. But had we had an NDP government, not we would have handpicked people she wanted to sit on all these boards. They all would have been left-wing control freak nutjobs, right? Who would have gone on some uh, political rampage to get rid of anybody like me who spoke freely and didn't and didn't uphold the narrative, right? Okay, so that's that's direct, not just government political control of of who is on these bodies, okay? In some cases now, like for the College of Chiropractors of Ontario, it's it's going to be it's going to be more than than half public members. You go to you go to BC now. The government has gotten rid of the colleges altogether, or is trying to, so they can have direct control of the professionals. Okay, you want to talk about the slippery slope? You go back you go back seventy years in BC, right? The professionals were governed almost exclusively just by the market. And what I just told you, tort and criminal law, et cetera. They had their own little association, of course, which tried to improve patient care, but very little direct government control. Well, then we got the college and we had that for a few decades. And now what do we have? Direct government control to shut down any doctor who tells you the truth in BC. Let's just unpack this again for everybody. This is not the same in the United States where you have competition and privatized medicine. Where is this is exactly where Canadians don't understand that not only when you're the only provider, then you can become the gatekeeper and then you can become the uh, uh, the individual who pushes your agenda rather than any professional opinion. Uh, James, again, connect the dot for me here, though. How does a were these bodies as set up as government? paid for government bodies or were they just um, individual bodies that won themselves like a lobbyist status, won themselves like a favored status? Like like if you're uh, a part of the law society for Alberta, let's say, let's say I wanted to start a law society of um, Edmonton only. And the reason for that is I, I wanted to set the bar very high 
in representing cases in Edmonton. If these associations were were in any way self-regulated, how did they get the permission to force everybody to join their one society? Because again, if, you, if I think about going into court, James, so let's say I'm the judge or the lawyer, and I have practiced law for years and years and years, and to the point where I have now been appointed as a judge, I can measure your incompetency not based upon some preliminary um, association not 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 based upon some entrance i would be able to see your performance in the courtroom and call you in contempt of court if you're in contempt of court so it would seem to me that the only reason why anybody would want a law society would be to say hey i'm a part i as a professional i'm a part of this group that is highly respected highly esteemed but never in our wildest dreams would we be thinking that that society was not independent of the government I, I wouldn't be signing up to say, oh, I need a bunch of non-legal politicians to be appointing individuals to run this society that therefore I am now controlled about. So were these colleges set up as government offices or were they set up as free associations who have now warped into warped into this? I, I, I'm having a hard time understanding how anybody would – I guess you have to join, but are, are, you know, why would I ever pay dues for that? That that like, I'm... well, okay. So first of all, they were never free associations, and it's it's very telling that you even use the word. You're an intelligent man. You've been alive for a while. You've lived in Canada. You use the word association, which you actually is totally inaccurate. But it just goes to show, right, how inaccurate people's thinking is about these these bodies. Okay. This was always a mandatory government body. It's what's called an arm's length government body, okay? Which means it's part of government. The charter applies to it, for, for example. It has all the same obligations and duties as, as government is supposed to have, okay? But it's not, it's not the same as a department or a ministry. It's not like the Ministry of Education, right? Um, that, the, 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 uh, the, the, the law minister, typically called the attorney general, okay? He does not have direct control over the law society. He has lots of influence, of course, but he doesn't have any direct control, okay? I mean, the health minister has direct control over, over health care in Canada. This is a little different. It's called arm's length, okay? But, but the trouble is that, first of all, like I said, the government appoints these, these people, but the government also asserts indirect forms of control and power, okay? Because the government can at any time change the legislation that uh, gives the power to these bodies, OK, they can decrease it or they can increase it. Of course, the bodies want it to be increased. Um, and so, for example, what you get is the College of Chiropractors of Alberta says, look, we are scared of AHS. We're scared of Dr. Hinshaw. If we do what's right and we let our patients and our chiropractors not wear a mask, let them choose. OK, we're scared that AHS and Dina Hinshaw will come after us, try to not let us practice, try to shut us down, try to take away our professional status. Right. So we better be scared. We better do what they say, no matter how stupid it is, no matter how anti-chiropractic it is, because, you know, we're at their mercy. OK, that's what that's what the college was thinking. In fact, that's what the lawyer argued on June 8th. He said, look, if we had have done what Dr. Wall wanted us to do, then Dr. Hinshaw would have shut us down. So we had to do what Dr. Hinshaw had to say. Right. That's a, that's a, that's 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 an important window into the way these people think. And, and, and to the type of control, both overt and covert, that the government's influence over these bodies, okay? So they're not associations. They're not 
uh, voluntary, um, and they have government power because of the legislation that's given to them. And that's that's usually bad because they want to increase that power. They're scared to lose that power. And so they do whatever the government wants them to do. OK, so the government is able to, through these bodies, assert a lot of direct control on these professionals. So if you get a, if you get a if you get a cabinet that says, look, we, we want climate change and we want transgenderism and we want covid tyranny and lockdowns, this better happen. Then those professionals that speak up. Right. They're, they're the ones who get the get the brunt of that. You're seeing that right now in Ontario with the doctors who are losing their licenses. Right. There's hearings right now going on with doctors that are going to have their license revoked for misinformation and disinformation. In other words, saying true things that oppose what the government says. OK, we had one guy just just gave up his license. A young guy, good doctor who said, I'm done. Now, you answer me this. How is that good for patients in Canada when doctors say, I told the truth and I'm having my life ruined over it. I'm done. I'm out. I know another doctor in Ontario. The same thing. He's now in Ohio. OK, he's now giving health care to old people in Ohio who are benefiting from having a competent doctor who was kicked out of Canada because he said something true the government didn't like. OK, well, well, this is this is why this is why statism always falls in on itself, because it forces anybody who actually wants to promote truth out because it has to manage itself. OK, so let's so bring it back to I, Dr. Wall. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back to Dr. Wall. I. I still don't really understand how a government body can be established and then not have direct government oversight and how then there's still a pretending of independence. Um, but I think the most important thing that I do understand, it is it is simply a it is simply a, like you said, overt and covert direct oversight um, from the government. And folks, that should be shocking you. That should be terrifying. I remember the first time James explained that to me. And I said, absolutely. Well, why in the world wouldn't we just be relying on the market, criminal law, and tort law? Why, why wouldn't we be doing that? Okay, James, move on. Sorry about no, that. No, it's okay. This is this is good. We're going to keep talking about this over, over years. I'm eventually going to get millions of Canadians to understand how bad it is that the government controls their professionals. Okay? That's my goal. I want to set people free from from all this 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 bad thinking about government and all that. So so here's what's going on in Dr. Wall's case. The um, the college has spent five hundred and twenty five thousand dollars on prosecuting Dr. Wall. Now the public did not know that, could not know that until June seventh and eighth. That's when that that's when that finally came out. Okay, you need to think about this. All right, $525,000. That's a lot of money to prosecute somebody for not wearing a mask because they were medically and religiously unable to and didn't harm any patients, right? It was clearly a political witch hunt, okay? And the college unashamedly spent that kind of money and interestingly are publicly admitting it. And here's why. They didn't have to tell the world that they spent that kind of money. If they had any shame whatsoever, they wouldn't have told the world. You know why they're telling the world? because they want Dr. Wall to pay for it. Okay, they want Dr. Wall to pay for what they spent. Now, they're only asking for 30%. Okay, so they have a little bit of shame. <laughs> they're only asking for 30%, which is $158,000, right? Now, if you're a lawyer or a doctor, maybe you can come up with that kind of money. Okay, but as a chiropractor, as a physiotherapist, 
whatever, right? As a, as, a, as a professional who's not a doctor or a lawyer, because they, they make the most, they make far and above whatever any other professional makes, maybe engineers, um, you, you can't afford $158,000. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin you. Okay. And it would certainly ruin Dr. Wall. He does not have a high volume practice. He's not, it's not a super lucrative practice. Okay. It would, it would ruin him if he had to pay this kind of money. And the college knows that. And that's why, that's why this college, other colleges would use the threat of costs. Okay. You see how high those costs are now. Okay. They would use the threat of costs to cow the professionals into doing whatever they want. Okay. Because, because the colleges for you, and I'm going to explain why this, I, I keep saying in the past tense, because the law has changed. Thank God for the Alberta Court of Appeal, who sometimes actually follows and applies the law and makes this country a little better. The law has changed, but for the last 10 or 15 years, colleges have been threatening their professionals with costs anytime they do something they don't like to cow the professional into giving up and to not doing it. And in fact, we, we went into this fight with Dr. Wall and I told him, we may someday have to deal with the fact that the college might try to get you to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs. Because when we started this case, the law hadn't changed yet in our favor, okay? We knew all this up front. We said, we can't let them hold that over our heads and shut us up, okay? That's giving into fear. It's giving into tyranny, right? It's giving into control. So we went into this both eyes open knowing this was a possibility, okay? So that's what's been going on. That's what, that's what the college tried to do in this case. And they're still trying to do it, even though the law has changed. I'm going to explain that. They're still unashamedly admitting they spent over half a million dollars on this case and are trying to get Dr. Wall to pay $158,000 of it, okay? It's wrong. And let, me, and let me just give you a few more details to understand how this happened, okay? So this college, who thinks it's completely unaccountable, they hired a lawyer, okay, to help the tribunal. The tribunal, like I said, is two chiropractors, it's two public members, okay? They're not legally trained. They can't make a decision by themselves. So they have to have a lawyer to help them make the decision. Okay. They have to have a lawyer who's constantly advising them. This lawyer that, that the college hired charges uh, between $685 an hour and $785 an hour. Okay. 700 and something dollars an hour. That's what this lawyer charges. Now, fine, whatever. In the market, in the marketplace, that's okay. I don't care if lawyers are charging $2,000 an hour. If somebody's willing to pay for it, why not? That's the market. That's fine. Okay? But you have a public body. Okay, and, and you said, where'd the money come from? So let's just stop there briefly. The money comes from chiropractors. There's 1,200 chiropractors in Alberta. They pay dues. It's between two and $3,000 a year to this college. They're required to. They can't opt out. They can't be a chiropractor unless they pay that money. So it's extortion. Okay? So the college extorts this money from its chiropractors, and then it can spend it however, however it likes. There's no accountability, okay? So it takes the money from the chiropractors, and then it spends it to persecute chiropractors it doesn't like. That's where it got this money from. So it collected money from chiropractors and spent over half a million dollars of it on a political persecution of a guy they didn't like because he didn't wear a mask, and he talked truth about masks, and he didn't back down when they told him to, okay? So that's where the money came from. But... We, you might ask me, well, why is it so much? Well, this lawyer, okay, out of the out of the half a million, half of that, a quarter million, was spent on this lawyer, who's charging seven hundred and eighty-five dollars an hour. Okay, so the college said, you know what? We're going to act like a private corporation and go find the most expensive lawyer we can to pound these guys into the ground. Okay, it's totally unethical, inappropriate, and corrupt for a public body to waste its public funds, its funds that it, that it collects against people's wills on lawyers 
that are charging those kinds of ridiculous amounts. Now, it's, if a corporation wants to go out and hire a lawyer for that amount, go right ahead, no big deal. Fine, that happens all the time. There's lawyers that charge that. He's not the only one, okay? But you have a public body who's so unaccountable that it goes out and finds the most expensive lawyer it can as if it's some private corporation that's got you know billions of dollars in budgets. And this guy, this guy charges, he charged uh, over 100 hours to write the 93-page decision that the tribunal um, produced. This 93-page decision has absolutely no citations or references to the transcript record, to the evidentiary record in this case. So if you go on the College of Chiropractic of Alberta's website, you can read their decision and think Dr. Wall is terrible and all the evidence was against him because the college made a decision that was very selective with the evidence, okay, and never showed the public where in its decision that it cited to the evidence. So there's no accountability about, about, about whether or not they're lying about the evidence or twisting the evidence or being selective with the evidence, okay? And that's part of the effort of, of, of normally doing a decision. If you read my 50-page factum, which only took me like 40 hours to write, um, there's like over 100 citations to, to the law and the record so the public can see where I'm saying what I'm saying and how it's supported. Okay, so this lawyer charged $785 an hour and over 100 hours to write this 93-page decision where he didn't even cite to the record. Okay, you got layers of corruption here. Okay, this is what the chiropractors in Alberta are paying for. This is what this is what this is what the public has to say. These are the incompetent people who are supposed to regulate this profession and protect us. Yeah, right. Okay, so well, the, the whole tribunal seems a bit silly that. It, a decision over a professional chiropractor would be made by citizens appointed by the tribunal and then two chiropractors. That that already seems woefully inadequate um, to be able to establish anything lawfully. Yeah. But yeah. then they turned that into a, a half a million dollar uh, case half a million dollars. James, how much did we spend on this case so far trying to represent so, Dr. Wall? Yes. So here's the thing people need to understand. Okay. I've spent, uh, I think about 380 hours on this case. Okay. And in total, what I've charged on this case is a little under $100,000. Okay. Now that sounds like a lot of money, but remember, I just told you I spent 380 hours on this. The rate that I charged for this case was between $150 an hour and $250 an hour. Okay, so compare that to the guy who's charging $785. Okay, so, so you see the massive discrepancy. They've out, they outspent us by more than five to one. Okay, we've been frugal, we've been prudent. Okay, and this is not about talking up me. Okay, but, but I have tried to be ethical with what I've charged. Okay, between 150 and 250 an hour. So just so everybody knows where their money is going, a lot of it is going to me for legal fees, but that gives you an idea of what I'm charging. Okay. Market rate for lawyers in Canada on average is 350 to $400 an hour. Okay. So, so when this guy's charging seven, I mean, he's charging way over market rate. I'm actually charging quite a bit under. Okay. Market rate somewhere in the middle, but that's the thing, right? As a college, as a public body, you should be getting a lawyer for market rate. Okay. So, and every chiropractor that's listening right now should be calling the college saying, why are you employing such an expensive lawyer to persecute one of our own? That, that, that could be a call to action for every chiropractor listening. You should be calling your college saying, what in the world is happening in Alberta 
get stop this now. Sorry, I, I, I did I get we, we go back and forth between Alberta and BC a lot. Did I get that mixed, no, you, you mixed got it up? Right. You got it right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So um, you know, they should be calling and say what's going on in this in this Curtis Wall case where you're spending you're spending that. James, finish your point, and then I want to jump in about this cost issue. Okay. Okay. No, I just I, I want people to see that. Okay. That five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars is a, is an absurd figure. Okay. Not just because of how high it is, but also because it's five more than what had to be spent. Okay. I called four expert witnesses in this case. Like I said, I spent almost 400 hours on this case. Okay. And we've spent less than a hundred thousand dollars, which is, which, which is, which is right. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have to cost more than that. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Yes. It, that is a lot of money. It's expensive to defend ourselves. It's expensive to resist the government, but, but guess what? They're, 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 they're outspending us five to one. Okay, to try to beat us. They're trying to beat us by outspending us, which is wrong. But we can hold them accountable because we can expose it publicly like we're doing right now. Okay. And we can stand up because here's the thing. You don't have to match them dollar for dollar. Right. You just got to donate enough to reach 20, 25% of what they're spending. And you got, you got a legitimate legal defense. Okay. This case has been a mess for the College of Chiropractors. Yes, Dr. Wall so far has lost. And he may lose on appeal. But I'll tell you what. College of Chiropractors isn't going to do this again in Alberta because they know now that it's going to be painful. We've held them accountable, right? They've, they've burned their fingers on the stove and they won't, even if they win this case in the end, which I'm, I'm, I have some confidence that they won't when I get to the Court of Appeal in Alberta, they won't do this again. They, I have another chiropractor in Alberta for the first time in many, many years. They did not bring him to a hearing. They settled with him on fairly favorable terms because I was his lawyer and they didn't want to do this again with me. Again, that's not about talking me up. That's about telling, that's about explaining to people that when you get lawyers who are willing and able to stand up and you fund them even a little bit, you can do a lot to reverse the tides of tyranny. Okay. And that's why you need to support Liberty Coalition Canada. Okay. Because it's, and it's not just me. I have an associate now and I hope to hope to hire more staff over the years if we keep doing this. A small band of committed lawyers can do an enormous amount to reverse the tides of tyranny if they just have a little bit of money, not $700 an hour money, just a little bit of money. They can do, they can do a lot. So I want to encourage people to, to understand that. Okay. The last thing is this, and then, I'll, and then I'll let you make your point. The law changed in Alberta. The Court of Appeals said, no, you can no longer... Uh, um, charge your people costs. If you persecute them, you got to pay for it. That's your your call to decide to persecute people. If the professionals put up a defense and it costs you a bunch of money, too bad. Suck it up. That's on you. You can't get that money from the professionals. So the college is trying to get the money from Dr. Wall, but the Court of Appeals already said, no, you can't. They're trying to get it anyways. So I'm actually confident Dr. Wall is not going to have to pay any costs because the law is finally improving on this. The Court of Appeals recognized the problem I just said and said, this is a problem. Colleges are persecuting their members they're, and they're using costs as a bludgeon to, to, to beat them into compliance. No more, no longer. They're not allowed to, to go, go after costs. If they want to go spend a half a million dollars on persecuting people, they're going to have to, to, to pay for it and they're going to have to deal with the public accountability for it. They're not going to collect it from their members. That's a good change in the law. And I'm happy that it's happened now in Dr. Wall's case. And that, you know, there is not all hope is lost for the law in Canada. There are there are some bright spots where it's actually getting better. Okay, so just a little bit of recap and explanation. 
um, everybody, you need to realize that we are a Christian organization. And when I say that, I mean that both James and myself see this as a ministry. Um, Our team sees this as a ministry. We are always trying to link very carefully the importance of a biblical worldview and a call to uh, people to receive uh, mercy through Jesus Christ. And the, the, the teachings of the Bible apply to all areas and they are freeing in all areas. And one of the areas where they are most freeing is in the area of law. As you listen to James and I, you can see very clearly how easy it is for a government with no moral compass to legalize practices that are quite unlawful. And to normalize regulations that are completely unnecessary. Let me repeat that. You, if you have a government that is unethical, what they will do is they will legalize practices that are truly unlawful, giving themselves permission to persecute their own people. And they will normalize regulations that are completely unneeded for the sake of their own purse. And so when James comes to you and says, look, this is the work we're doing, and I'm only charging this amount, James is quite sincere, friends. Uh, He's not puffing himself up. We're doing that awkward moment of telling you the numbers so that you know where your money goes. But I want everybody to know that whenever I say to our team, man, money is short, I'm concerned, James is one of our first individuals who responds and says, I'm trying to cut my costs everywhere. And he needs my reassurance to say, James, no, your work is probably the most important work we're doing for Liberty Coalition Canada. So please keep going. So I do want to make that point, James, you are 100% correct that if, if, if a tenacious, virtuous, principled, courageous lawyers are willing to minister to people at a at a reduced rate from maybe what they could be making if they just went out and represented corporations. We can do a tremendous amount of work to help the average individual. So folks, that's not James blowing smoke. That's my sincere partner in ministry telling you the numbers. So know that we're spending your money well and that we're spending your money purposefully. And so please support. Number two, I just want to reiterate, James, what we've talked about. We've talked about it a number of times. We've said we're going to need to do it over years is, Canadian, listen to how entrenched socialism is in your life. I can think in my mind of five chiropractors right now. All of them would be utterly embarrassed, potentially a number of them would be upset if I named them by name because they don't want to associate with, with us publicly. But needless to say, I know of five of them who need no regulation. And what I mean by that is, as you've said, James, criminal law, tort law, and the market would be ample to regulate these chiropractors the fact that they are forced to pay dues 
to an, an association that has some link to the government. So it's not even a freedom of association. They're forced to do it. The fact that they're forced to pay dues to be regulated is in of itself um, a, a very collectivist mindset, friends. Yes. Like I have to pay money so that somebody beyond the criminal law – now, look, I want to make it clear. That's not true of religious leaders. That is not true of pastors. I used to be a part, a member of the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches, and when COVID came, they decided to end our relationship. They decided that they, they decided that they didn't like what I was standing for, and I decided what they weren't standing for. There's no financial penalty. There's no ability to come after me. There is an open and honest disagreement. Where if if CBC as they've come and and they've uh, they've investigated us, if they want to go investigate the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptists, they can ask them, "What do you think about Mike Tyson?" And individuals can the individuals in that group are going to say he's cavalier, he's judgmental, he's evil. Other people are going to say. No, he's one of ours. He's he's a brother. So if you live outside of this world where all of a sudden there's this body that can arbitrarily come after you for for doing something again that is not in violation of any crime, that is not uh, in violation of anything where you could be brought to court for. Can you imagine the weight, James? I'm just I'm just imagining these five chiropractors that I know. And the weight that they must feel to just shut up and do whatever they're told, even when – and folks, this is the irony that we're talking about chiropractic. The medical world rarely even recognizes chiropractors. Yeah. In fact, even within the, the world of chiropractic medicine, the word subluxation is, is a word of, of controversy. Like – there are some chiropractors who believe believe in um, uh, subluxations, where if you're if you're treated regularly to deal with these um, minor, um, uh, uh, I don't I want to say in need of adjustment, but these minor uh, misalignment uh, mis in the body. That if you're adjusted there regularly. It will help the energy flow of your body to self-heal your body. And then there's an entire body of chiropractors who completely don't believe in that. They, they believe that we're here to treat acu acute injury, yeah. where we're here to actually see something that needs alignment because we've experimented by pain threshold or we've done a, 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 a CT scan and, and we treat that. So within the world of chiropractic medicine, then on top of that, you have the medical world who they aren't trained to adjust the back. And so they're very often miscounted even in the medical community. You can go to lots of health insurance uh, programs that will cover dental and they'll cover other medical procedures and they won't cover chiropractic. So folks, we are in an area where everybody is discussing what's the best option for your health and what regulates that well here's what regulates it i go to one chiropractor i have a ton of lower back pain that chiropractor says look you need to have your 
glutes massaged and you need to have three adjustments and then you'll be fine. And then I have another chiropractor that says, I'm going to treat you for the rest of your life and you're going to come in once a week and this is how it's going to go. And who's going to decide? I'm going to decide as to which is helping my body. Am I feeling less pain? So the fact I'm just, I'm ranting on this James because the world has gone mad with collectivism. The world has gone mad with uh, pushing up responsibility rather than pushing down responsibility. <clears throat> and you're shaking your pen, so that means you want to talk. So let you go. No, just say, you're, you're absolutely right, right? Freedom and, 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 and individual responsibility go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And so people have, have failed to realize just how valuable freedom is. And so they're not willing to pay the individual responsibility to have it. They're willing to give up. They're going to give up this this golden thing as if it's merely made of iron, okay? So that they can get this other valuable thing, well, apparently valuable, of not having to take responsibility for their actions and having somebody else do it, okay? And that's that's how you go from individualism to collectivism, right? So, so from freedom and you know high quality of life and human flourishing to tyranny and death and madness and evil. Okay, individualism to collectivism. And you get there because people uh, think individual responsibility is bad. It's actually a good thing. And they, and, and they, and they want to get uh, the lack of individual responsibility. And they're, and they're giving up the most valuable thing they have other than, other than being saved by Jesus Christ. The most valuable thing you can have other than, other, than, other than Jesus as your savior in this world is the freedom to live your life. Okay, and they're, and they're giving they, because they've been taught that this thing isn't actually good or valuable. And they're giving it up to get rid of the individual responsibility. That's exactly what's going on. It's exactly what's happening. It's happening on an individual, daily, cultural, societal level. It's not just happening in, the, in this ivory tower uh, theoretical way. It's happening in everyday, real life choices. Okay? The average Canadian- okay. And this is where I want to give you- Yeah, go ahead. I want to give you two examples of that really quick. Sure. So number one, James has already mentioned what happens when a doctor can't practice freely. And we're, we're not talking again about any criminal or um, civil lawsuit cases. We're just talking about a doctor who's being destroyed, reputation is being destroyed about a, about a political point. That doctor leaves. Do you want to know what else happens, James? I was, I was talking to a medical um, a specialist the other day, actually, who will remain unnamed for the protection of his own practice who told me that his wait time has gone from two months to eight months. And I said, why is your wait time increased so much? And of course, you, you know, you know, me with my alarmism and my, my overreaction, I'm thinking vaccine injury. I'm thinking, come on, like, you know, and of course uh, I've got a podcast coming out with, um, uh, with a doctor, Gregory Chan, who's going to be talking about vaccine interest injury uh, next week. So listen for that, but that's not what he answered. He answered and he said, because doctors, general practitioners, has been told what to think, how to think, and do not uh, deviate from this message. Okay, we can go on the College of Surgeons and Physicians of Ontario. Same thing in Alberta. They no longer want. They're no longer confident to assess. So, as a specialist, I'm seeing far more situations where the general practitioner just refuses to make a decision on very, very, very simple cases. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
So, folks, if you don't think this is affecting your every single day, remember, for three years, you walked around with a stupid goofball mask on your face. You felt like an ass because you were an ass. Many of our listeners weren't, but you felt like it. you knew it. Your body temperature was going up. You were getting headaches, and you knew it. You would go to your medical professionals. They would do nothing about it. Well, guess the same thing will happen in every aspect that has political uh that has political clout behind it so well, right now okay so mass then it was vaccines now it's all climate uh mobility what what will it be oh do you want to know what's happening in california now it is if you won't help your child transition from one sex to another you're restricting them from medical rights Folks, if unless we stand and stand with James, stand with our other cases, these regulatory bodies will reach in so far because they have political will behind them. The only question will be whose political will are they representing? And look, at, as a conservative, we don't want – I don't want a bunch of conservatives to get in and do the same thing to individuals, um, but that is where conservatism is safer than liberalism because this idea of conserving personal liberty is a part of that political philosophy. So this is some of the things that we've been talking about, about the deregulation, um, you know, ab about, the, about the criminal law holding people to account. Now – Needless to say, friends, the criminal law in Canada has changed so much that it's almost unrecognizable in many cases. And that's another topic for another day. James, do you have anything else? We're at an hour and 11 minutes. It's been uh, really helpful. Oh, do you want to know what? Forget it. We've got another half hour of content, everybody. Um, James has got to tell us about uh, a, a lovely Christian lady named Juan Porter. Uh, stick with us. Do, you know, if you got to pause and go have a pee. Um, go listen to the red balloon ad uh, again, and then come back. We're we're gonna go right back at it, James. Let's talk about Juan Porter. Okay, quickly. Uh, we have, we talked about this once before. So. I don't promise like that anymore. <laughs> I don't make I don't make promises that you and I won't keep. That's lying, James, <laughs> and it's a sin. <laughs> okay, so Juan Porter. We talked about this once before. She's she's the uh, she's the lovely lady who lost her job. Because she at a hospital in Ontario because she didn't take the jab. She she asked for religious accommodation. She backed it up with her beliefs. She did everything she was supposed to under the law. The hospital disregarded the law and didn't accommodate her. Um, and and I encourage you to listen to the last podcast because I gave you some really salacious evidence about how the uh, hospital decided and why they decided not to accommodate Miss Porter. Okay, so so don't move over that, Pete. People, listen to the last episode of our legal update if you haven't already there's three cases or four cases we do an update and this one is particular go ahead James. so now where we're at so we went through discovery in may okay now that's that's the time when we have all the questioning back and forth the sharing of documents and all that okay it's not done in court it's done and done in a boardroom or on a zoom call like this okay and so um the lawyer for the hospital is asking Miss Porter a bunch of questions about why she did this, and why she did that, right? Miss Porter say, "Well, it's because I believe in Jesus, and it's because I believe this, and it's because I believe that." And um, you know, the lawyer is getting annoyed because most of the answers are, "Well, you know, why?" So, in particular, one question was, "Well, well, why did you not talk to the experts at the hospital to learn all about how the COVID vaccines work?" 
And Miss Porter started giving up a, a religious answer about, well, you know, like, I don't really trust those people. And, you know, here's why. There's a lot of deception. I'm supposed to go to the Lord with these things. Um, I'm not supposed to just put my trust in human authority, which is often wrong. Even if it's being honest, it's wrong. A lot of times it's dishonest. So I sought the Lord's will in this. And so she's giving this answer and then she starts reading the Bible. Okay. To, 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 you know, look, I want to read this verse to you, explain it, explain how it was part of this process, right? Because I mean, Juan Porter is, I mean, she's a Bible believing Christian. Okay. So she, she, I mean, she doesn't just sit there and pray and be like, she just, just tell me everything to do. She reads the Bible like she, like any prudent Christian would. That's the word of God. You, that's, there's revelation right there. Right. So, so, so she's, she's reading, trying to read from the Bible. And the lawyer says, no, no, you can't read from the Bible. And I said, well, of course she can. This is part of her religious beliefs. And the Lord says, well, no, she can't read from the Bible. It's a document. I said, okay, well, whether it's a document or not, that's, that's questionable. It's part of her religious beliefs. This is a religious discrimination claim. She can read from the Bible. And the Lord says, no, we're shutting down questioning. You're not allowed to read from the Bible. I'm going to take you to court over this. So, so we shut down, we had to, we had to shut down discovery over this issue. So, okay, James, just quickly, don't, don't rush over that last part. So when he shuts discovery down, and then says, I'm going to take you to court over this. Please explain that. So with a little bit so more clarity. The lawyer, what, what, what can happen is it, it, it's a she. I don't want to misgender anybody. The lawyer from the hospital says, okay, look, I'm entitled to get answers from your witness without her reading from the Bible. And if she's going to read from the Bible as part of her witnesses, I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to get the judge to say, you're not allowed to read the Bible. And the judge is going to smack you down with costs for me having to waste my time to go to court over this. Okay. And I say, look, we're not backing down. My client's allowed to read from the Bible. It's a religious discrimination came. You want to, you want to take us to court? Go ahead. So sure enough, what I get back instead of a motion to go to court, what I get back is a letter saying, you know, look, Mr. Kitchen, uh, we don't, you know, I don't know if we want to go to court over this. Um, how about you just do what we say and give us what we want and your client not read from the Bible. So, which I don't know. I don't know if these people just, I don't know. Apparently, I'm not as obvious as I think I am. So I have to write that. So, Jamie, let me ask a discrimination question. I look. So everybody knows that I don't talk about us absolutely not being able to be discriminatory. I I'm going to be discriminatory against evil people. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to discriminate. I'm going to discern against evil people. If if someone if someone was trying to uh, build a case. Um, not build a case. If someone was trying, I don't even need to go any further than that. So, but in the court of law, it, 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 discrimination must be different than just in the real world. And what I mean by that is she's asked to establish her religious views. How can some random lawyer say, you're not allowed to read from the Bhagavad Gita. Um, you're not allowed to read from the Quran. You're not allowed to read from uh, that uh, secular humanist manifesto. Um, every individual on earth is creedal, mm. whether they're appealing to the true God of the universe or they're appealing to another God or they're appealing to a man they're treating like God. Everybody's creedal. So I I'm just surprised that he could even – like. I'm just surprised that you couldn't just say in that meeting, um, hey, stupid, um, we're going ahead with this. I, I, how, how is it possible that a lawyer could be so obviously discriminatory and that 
somehow derail the process. I, I, well, I, I, that's baffling. I, I suggested that to her. I said, I'm, I'm concerned that even what you're doing right now is discriminatory. And she flipped a lid when I said that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I try to keep things civil. Um, anyway, so it's. No, no, you ought to, but I'm on the podcast. And so I'm not like, I'm like, again, I'm, I'm trying to help point out to people the inconsistency. So someone flipping their lid about being, being discriminatory. That's literally what, like, if I want like, I'm going to disagree with Muslims all day long. I'm going to disagree with secular humanists all day long, but I want to know their source material. In fact, that's the, that's like the easiest, most pleasant way of finding out someone's beliefs is to say, tell me your source material. And in fact, you usually, you usually learn a level of respect and a, and a greater ability to dialogue with those people. Once you've understood their source material, oh, you're quoting from Sigmund Freud. Okay. Oh, you're quoting from Nietzsche. Oh, okay. I, I get where you're getting your perspective from. Now, now might I respond with some thoughts on that? Like, so again, but we're not even talking about trying to dialogue. You're just trying to establish Juan's beliefs. I know. And I try, I've tried to patiently explain to the other side that it actually probably is, is better for them to fully discover what her full beliefs are. So anyways, I get this letter basically saying, well, we don't, we're not quite confident enough to take you to court. We still want you to do what we want, not let her read from the Bible. So I write back and say, no, we think I am. No. So I have another letter saying, well, okay, how about this, Mr. Kitchen? We really don't want to go to court over this. How about she only be allowed to read the Bible at the end of her answers? Not in the middle of her answers, but at the end of her answers. So I, I have a letter draft that I haven't sent it yet, but it's basically going to say, no. Like, what do you, who do you think I am? No, my client is allowed to read from the Bible. So, you know, either take me to court and, and, and follow through on your bluff or get off your high horse and let's get this discovery done. Okay. So and, and, James, and, at this well, point, can't we just, can't you just take them to court? I, I Can't uh, you just turn around and say, do you know what? We're, I've had enough of this. I want this established in court. You silly pants. I, I can. Donkeys. I, well, I, I can. And, and that's so I, I can go to court and say, look, they're they're not doing discovery. They're stalling or trying to delay the case. You need to compel them to finish their discovery so we can get this case on the go. I can do that. OK, but because I am actually level headed and I am trying to preserve people's resources, I'm not doing that yet because I'm trying to work with the with the other side. OK, I may have to. OK, and I may have to ask people to help donate so that we can go to court to force them to, to go ahead. Um, so we may get to that, but we're just not there yet because I'm trying to actually work with these people. And um, so I'm going I'm to write back and I'm going to say, no, she's going she's gonna to read the Bible as part of her discovery. Or you're going to have to go to court over this because we're not we're just not going to back down. And um, all these letters, by the way, are going to be on the Liberty Coalition Canada website. They're not without prejudice, which means secret negotiations between lawyers. They're they're with prejudice, which means open negotiations between lawyers that everybody can see. Okay. I've done that on purpose so that people can see what's going on. Okay. So I encourage people to read these letters on the, on the, on the, on the website. They're really, they're really fun to read. Okay. So that's where we're at. Okay. The hospital is, is, is threatened us with going to court, trying to get us to back down and not read the Bible. We said no. And so far they haven't followed through on their bluff. And I'm very curious to see where this, go where this is going. And I encourage people to pay attention to where this is going because it's important that they know and they understand how this really works. And I think this is an important case for people to support because this is what we're up against. Okay, we're up against uh, lawyers and defendants in this country who say you can't read the Bible as part of your answers in a court of law. 
we got a problem. When, when, when the case is about a Christian who said, my Christian beliefs were not accommodated, and the law says that Christians, not just Jews, Muslims, and all the other religions, but Christians as well, should be treated equal and should be accommodated. Okay? We want to live in a free and equal society? Well, that includes Christians and white people and men and straight people and all the other people that the woke people That's too like. far. That's too far. Not white men. <laughs> We are the worst. Yeah, okay. So um, let me just really uh, ask a question that I've heard. So I've told this story anecdotally to a bunch of people and they've said, so you're telling me that the thing people would swear on to give the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth is not allowed to be read in the same court that you would swear on that Bible. Um, number one, do we not swear on the Bibles anymore? And number two, if we do swear on the Bibles, is that a true statement? The thing that we swear on, we're no longer allowed to read. That's where people want the law to go. I, I don't think it's there yet. I don't think it should be there. I want to argue that it shouldn't be there, but that's where people want it. Occasionally. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people affirm that they don't want to swear on the Bible, so they just affirm. They say, I affirm, I'll tell the truth. But then there's also other things, right? Aboriginals can, um, they can do a thing with the feather. And so they said, I don't know if swear is the right word, but they can use the feather in place of the Bible to say, this is the thing that I am sort of swearing on to say that I'm going to tell the truth. Right. So there's, there's, um, there, it's now expanding into all kinds of things, but yes, if you're a typical Christian or a typical person who doesn't care, you're going to put your hand in the Bible and the right hand up there say, I swear that I'm going to tell the truth. So help me God. Yes. We do still swear on the Bible. Yes. Okay. All right. Continue. No, that, that's that's that that's the end of my story with this with this whole saga with the Bible thing. So I I might have a big up big update in a few weeks. Who knows? I might be taking them to court. They might be taking me to court. This has eventually got to get resolved. Either we go to court or we do discovery in in this case because it, it, this is this it's, this is not going to go on forever. It's going to have to end. I hope for it to be resolved and for people to be reasonable. And my you know Juan Porter can read the Bible and we can get on with this discovery. Uh, and then go to what really matters, which is going to be the trial in this case. I hope that's where we get. But if not, then we got to stand our ground because that's that's what this is what this is what all of this is about. All this ultimately comes down to: Are you going to stand your ground for truth and justice and freedom? Okay, take the risks, spend the money, put in the effort, maintain freedom, maintain justice, maintain truth, or are you going to cower and give up and back down and give into tyranny and slink away? Okay, so all of this comes down to in all these cases, okay, and someday they may win through brute force, okay, they may come and collect me and throw me in the gulag and blast my head off. I hope to God that doesn't happen. I don't want to go to heaven that way, but it may, but so be it. I will pay the cost, but you know what? The best way to avoid that is to fight hard now on all these principles and say, we're not standing, we're not backing down. We're standing our ground, we're standing up, we're putting in the risk, the effort, the money, and we're going to count the cost and pay the price to maintain freedom, justice, and truth. The time to do that is now, not when we get to that point. And we avoid that point by doing that now. And that's what all these cases are ultimately about. And a lot of times when we stand our ground, the other side melts in the face of our conviction, in the face of our courage. Okay, I see it all the time. I do have some victories. I lose lots of cases because that's where the courts are at. But I have all kinds of small victories along the way. And all of them are because... Me and my wonderful, principled, courageous clients have stood their ground and said, no, we're not scared of you and we're not backing down. And 
That's what I want people to remember that this is all about. And that's what they're ultimately supporting with their generous donations. So I want to just wrap up this episode very briefly. Uh, James, thanks so much for coming on, giving us these updates. I want to wrap up with two thoughts. The first thought is this. Um, Right now in Canada, there is a national citizens inquiry going on. And I had a very joyful thought the other day that many, many, many of those people who are speaking up at that national citizens inquiry have been on my podcast. Mm -hmm. If you go to our rumble channel and you look through the last two and a half years of our videos of our, of, of my interviews, folks, you have a library of information available to you. You have medical information available to you. You have legal information available to you. You have political insights available to you. And James, I just want to thank you for your partnership in this on the legal side of things, because it gives me great joy that people can go to our website. They can go to the podcasts and they can really dig deep into some of these issues. You know, I, I got questions about the vaccine just the other day and I said, go listen to my seven different, my, maybe my 15 different interviews, um, some of them receiving 50 to 70,000 views, uh, more than that, uh, because we're providing good information. And it's reminded me, as you've said, the same information is available on our website for you to read. And so as James has mentioned, you can go to our website, you can look at, you just, you just, I'm, I'm on it right now. You just, just go down legal defense fund. You just hit that button and you go to Dr. Curtis wall versus CCOA. And you can read all of this for yourself and these primary sources. And James, I hope that this is a library for people in the future. I hope that our website is a great resource for people. Um, we have, court transcripts, related articles, related videos. We're doing the work to, to gather a body of literature here, aren't we, James? Like that's, that is a part of what we're doing here. So I'm very happy to be a part of that. And I wanted everybody just to know that. Make sure you're utilizing our website. If you're looking for things to fall asleep at night, you're having trouble sleeping, you're anxious, we'll go and read some of this stuff, get halfway through seven paragraphs, fall asleep, Read it the next day. Um, but this is very helpful information. I think of all the people who continue to be blinded, and it is not because there's not information there. Okay, so I said quickly, uh, I'll wrap it up right now. The second thought that I have is um, on this area of finishing off with the story about Juan Porter. Folks, we're talking about worldview issues. We're talking about philosophy issues. We're talking about legal issues. The world wants to say, no, you can't quote the scriptures while they quote whatever they want to quote. And so we do live in a world where we have to appeal to authority. Hmm. And we need to be confident, number one, to be appealing to truthful authorities. And I want to just encourage everybody listening. We recognize that we have to accept all of our claims to authority by faith. Because we're working this stuff out in the world. And we, and we, don't, we can't know infinitely. So every individual walks by faith. And if you are someone who is a really big uh, 
Nietzsche fan or you're a Marvel heroes fan or you're a, uh, or you're a biblical scholar or, or you're a you're drawing your assumptions and ideas from somewhere. It's only a very recent idea that you can't draw great, insightful, wise implications from scripture that you have to look at everywhere else but scripture there's two things to that number one that means that people can't appeal to wisdom because god's word says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord and um i I just met with the with the mayor of georgetown kentucky and just talk to him about the mental problems the young adults are having in the community and talk to them about these are not medical conditions. These are kids who are drowning in despair because they have no wisdom in their life. There's nothing wise calling them up. So folks, um, when, when people try to censor the reading of the Bible, this scripture self-attests, and we know we have to accept it by faith, but but we can turn around after we have accepted by faith. Then we can demonstrably show how living according to God's word brings the greatest amount of freedom and personal responsibility that James and I have been talking about because it brings about wisdom. So you can't let them bully you away, not just for the rights part, but because for all levels of intelligence, we have to be able to uh, give testimony to the truth. So James, uh, we're going to wrap it up with that. And we're, I'm thankful that you're on the show. Everybody, please go to Liberty Coalition Canada, uh, dot com backslash donate and, and click that button of other designations. And it goes towards these cases, I'm trying to raise $60,000 in the next uh, seven weeks. So thank you so much for listening and Godspeed. <laughs>